Hi, welcome to Behind the Sounds. I'm Leah and I'm here today with songwriter, producer, musician extraordinaire, uh, Forrest Glenn Whitehead. Thank you so much for being here. Um, how are things there? We were just talking about this crazy world. How is everything your end? Everything's pretty good, um, you know, besides the crazy normalcy that it seems to be now, but at the same time, we're uh, staying safe and you know, uh, as the weather's gotten better and the quarantine lifts, I mean, you know, I'm in good spirits. So hopefully most of Nashville is too after we get through this weird time, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you've you've kind of taken full advantage of, of quarantine. You've been so busy the past few months. Um, you've created Music, Music City Playbook, which we'll, we'll talk a lot more about. Um, but you've kept yourself really busy, haven't you? Yeah, it's uh, whenever, you know, the normal day-to-day -day writing stopped. Um, I, I just had time to kind of get quiet, read a lot, um, pray a lot, and just kind of zero in on uh, what 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 I wanted to be focused on. So I'm I'm, I'm definitely not the kind of person to just kind of lay up and watch Netflix for uh, more than a couple of days. I'm bored of it. And I want to I want to get something done. So that being said, I'm still working on my music and, and writing through Zoom, but. Music City Playbook definitely has taken on a, a new role that I couldn't have even imagined. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we kind of get started, I wanted to touch on a song that was released literally this week um, by Mickey Guyton that you were a part of. It is called Black Like Me. If you haven't heard it, listeners, go listen, because at any time this would have been released, it would have been a really kind of influential song and it would have made a difference. But for it to be released when it has been, with everything going on, it is so poignant and it's super hard hitting, but it's something that kind of everyone I think needs to hear. Um, she posted on Instagram, it was written over a year ago and I know you were part of producing it. So I just kind of wanted to know when that happened and how it kind of went from being a song that was kind of not really in the realm of being released and then to be released at such a important time. How did that all happen? Yeah, you know, the timing of you know, these creative endeavors and the way they kind of rise at the right time. It's just so weird. You don't really know when you write a song, when it fits the right time, or sometimes you write a song, it's released a month later. Sometimes you write a song, it's released five years later. I've been working with Mickey for about two years now. We've been writing and, um, but she's also asked me to help her on some production stuff. And Black Like Me was one of those songs. And she had already, I mean, she had written it with Nathan Chapman. And uh, there's another co-writer on it too that I'm, I'm spacing right now. But I know that um, Nathan Chapman was a, a producer on that. So the fact that she even asked me to be a part of the production, I was like, my God, you got Nathan Chapman. But I was just blown away that, um, you know, he was so collaborative and uh, was, was the things that I brought to the track. You know, we went over to his studio and um, it was just so fun mixing it in with him. That was my first time meeting Nathan, walking in his studio and just kind of being creative with him on uh, from the get go. So it was it was cool. Um, and whenever she first played the song for me, the demo was pretty much a piano loop. So there's not a lot about the final production that's too far off from the demo other than just filling out some of the dynamic parts, adding the strings, adding more guitars, um, filtering some loop stuff in the, in the verse, just making it, accenting it more of what it was. Because even in a demo state, the song was, you could tell it was something special. And um, it, it had a, a, just a vibe to it that you know that people, uh, it was just going to get a reaction. And for everything to kind of be happening right now, it's just, it's, it's so weird how this song was born, um, you know, like you said, about a year ago, but the timing that for it to be released and, and, and the healing that I feel like the song is going to do and the representation of what Mickey is being for, um, you know, her peers and everybody else that has to deal with this. It's, it's one of those things where if people can find a song like that and, and find relatability into it i mean that's what this whole thing's about so what's so cool to me is that we recorded and tracked that you know way before quarantine way before this whole thing had been happening so the fact that you know we she had that to release and it just fit the the timing so perfect and i know it's something that's been on her heart for a long time so i'm just super excited about it because uh, I'm excited to be a part of her project, but I'm also excited that it's more than just a song being released. It actually stands for something 
um, that I feel like will be remembered in history a long time. I mean, we're in, in the biggest civil rights movement um, since I feel like the Martin Luther King days uh, right now and what everything that's going on. So to fa- to just to have a small kind of support in that, I'm just so grateful. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, I think the timing, it was, it's just incredible that there is a song for it because there are so many things, you know, we, we can't explain it. You, you can't, fathom a lot of it and to have a song that you can kind of collate to what what's going on in the world is amazing so being a part of that must have been awesome and she she's amazing so I think for her this will be a another game changer definitely totally Um, she's a a great singer I just want to say she's a great singer so she could sing any song so the fact that this this these last couple songs we've been cutting is just straight from her heart you she's saying she's taking on content that other artists can't take on you know she can't she's, she's choosing to release a song that i feel like uh, is just truly unique to her and that's what i love about working especially producing an artist i just love having that um i guess polarity with an artist that this is them this is totally them to the core so yeah i'm i'm just pumped on it yeah definitely i just wanted to touch on that because it's obviously so relevant um to what's going on uh but kind of going back a bit how long you've been in Nashville is it 10 years now you've been there yeah I moved 2009 October uh 21st 2009 I moved I graduated high school earlier that year I'd saved up money from working at a bait shop in Louisiana and my dad helped me buy a travel trailer and um we dropped that travel trailer in in October um at the koa campground downtown nashville i'll never forget it because october nashville is beautiful the trees uh the weather everything it was just a vibe and um just pulling in i just had this this you know this this special feeling of like man this is home now um so it's crazy that it's been over a decade i mean i feel you know i'm I'm 29 years old i moved here like i said fresh out of high school but i feel like man the last 10 years have just flown by and you know that cheesy line like time flies when you're having fun or whatever that is like there's so much truth to that because if you're loving every day and just kind of chasing after your dreams every day like the time will sneak up on you you know and that's what I feel like it has Nashville's been super good to me um I didn't always start out that way in a situation where whenever I moved here I you know a lot of publishing companies were closed. It was right after the 2008 market crash. Mm. Uh, and there was, you know, there wasn't a lot of, there were more, of course, writers getting dropped than there were getting signed. So it was a unique time to come to town and kind of ride what a lot of people call this bull market over the last 10 years. Of course, we've seen a dip now, but it's been that way for the music industry too, um, uh, of where people are getting more of a hold on streaming and, you know, there's all these different laws and, and changes with Spotify and Apple music. And it's hard to even go buy a record anymore. Mm-hmm. So I've been here in that period of time to kind of see Nashville, I guess, um, not that we've got our footing yet, but like really struggle in the beginning years to get your footing on like, okay, how do we deal with this new, model of the music industry because people aren't buying records no more people are you know i mean i I came to town probably 10 years after people the napster era and all that stuff but i say all that to say i feel like the short time i've been in town 10 years i've seen so much change in town and and the way people um approach the business and you know uh, it's just been interesting for me to to kind of ride that wave of and just be grateful to, to have a spot in that way from, from time to time, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you're so right. It's, it's so much changes in 10 years. Um, but do you feel super lucky? Cause it takes people, I mean, in any industry, it takes people a long time to kind of find their feet or to be able to even like, for example, do music full time. You've, you've obviously had such an amazing 10 years, like you've achieved so much. Do you feel really lucky that as much as I'm sure a lot of it felt like a long time, that you've achieved as much as you have lucky is definitely not the word it would be blessed because uh i feel like just from my my young career playing music starting out in blanchard louisiana way back when um i feel like you know 
I don't know. My, my path was just so, I was so obsessed with music. I took it so seriously. And I feel like, you know, when you have a dream or the Lord puts a gift in your life, um, if you treat it like what it is, a gift, treat it like, a, you know, like you're taking care of a, a baby. I, I say that because I have a almost a two-year-old that has taught me so much, but you know, the same way you take care of a baby, you got to take care of your dream. And I realized before I was even old enough to know what I was doing, I was just so headstrong about, you know, I'm going to Nashville. I'm going to, I'm going to go do this and that. And at the time I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant producing records or songwriting. Like I just thought I want to go be in a band or I want to go travel on the road. And so that's, it was these naive thoughts of, I'm going to go make a living, play music. I don't know how, when, where, why, I'm just going to go there and expect it to happen. So I feel like it kind of gave me a clean slate to show up to town and just to take any opportunity. So I played on the road. I, 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 um, I traveled with country artists, blues artists, uh, Christian artists, uh, all these different things to where I kind of was dabbling in, in, in all these different avenues of the music business. And I thought, well, that songwriting thing looks cool and you do that for a while and you meet other producers and that that producer gig looks pretty cool and along the way just loving it and being locked in you know my bedroom messing with logic pro tools ableton like just learning and grinding out these things number one because you love it but number two i realized that knowing pro tools and stuff was like such a tool like because i just moved to town as a songwriter and a guitar player. So for me to change into a producer, all of a sudden created a lane for me to stand out. Um, so I feel like my career has been blessed at an early point simply because I feel like my expectations, of course, were high, but they were open. I wasn't like, I'm going to go be an artist. I'm going to go be, you know, the next so-and-so. Like I literally just showed up being like, I just want to make money doing this. I want to pay my bills doing music and I want to figure out how, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people get turned off whenever, you know, they feel like it's money driven. But for me, I'll be honest with you. It's money driven in the sense of this is my heart, but I want to support my family. I want my kid to have the best. I want my wife to have the best. So how, how, how can I create as much value in my passion as possible? And so I've always kind of like came at it that way. And instead of being like, why ain't somebody signing me as an artist? This ain't working out or whatever. I was like, well, well, screw that. If I if I don't have to sing the demos, I will produce someone else's demo and then sing the harmonies and be just as happy. Yeah. So I feel like that helped me a lot because I meet a lot of people that come to town that are so hung up on one avenue that they that, that's their dream, that's what they want. And that's great. I would encourage that. But at the same time, you also can got to be flexible in a town like Nashville or LA or New York or anything else. Your expectations of what you, what you come to the dance thinking it's going to be sometimes by the time you leave, it's a whole different thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's okay. I've learned that that's okay with different anything in life. It's never what you initially think it is when you first start out. So, and I've learned that through the playbook too. I thought it was just doing interviews. It's turned into an ebook, a, a website and, and eventually a lot of stuff, but it showed me in my short career here that if you follow your passion and you try to get be the best at what you feel like you're good at, double down on that, then opportunity is going to be there. Of course, you got to treat people right, you know, and I've had to learn that too, meaning I've, you know, not treated relationships the best the first five, six, seven years of my career. And I feel like I'm now coming into a thing of, of understanding the and the importance of the business aspect as far as the creative aspect. Because us as creatives, like, we repel the business side. Like, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to deal with it. We don't think about it. But I'm learning to continue this as a career in this odd time. Mm -hmm. I have to incorporate a business edge to me that elevates my career higher than what it has been or what I've necessarily kind of been associated with a publishing company and said, okay, you take care of the business end. I'll do me. I'm now coming into a season of saying, I want to do, I want to cover more ground with, 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 
what I'm doing, choosing more of my rights, choosing more of the productions that I'm working on, choosing how I spend my time. Like spending time with you, it's 1230 afternoon on a Wednesday. Usually I'll be writing right now yeah. and uh, I'm a session book tonight. But just the freedom to do these things that I'm passionate about and to support what you're doing um, yeah. and to involve more than just the daily grind of write another song, write another song, write another song, turn it in, like hope that it gets cut, you know. I'm tired of that, man. I just, I want to do something different and that's, that's been the playbook and, and, and that's uh, been producing more independent artists. Yeah. And I say that because like, just because you're not signed to a label or associated with a major name mm. does not mean anything that your talent level or the quality of the music. So I've been excited to find all these artists through the playbook through the internet or just through doing things like what we're doing right now, just hanging out, talking, the talent out there is amazing. Um, and I feel like I've limited my career just by getting or working on the things that have been kind of served to me through a publishing company or through my small circle. Yeah. I'm not a real social person. So for me to get on the internet and kind of make myself available in that way, I've, I've learned a lot through it, but I've also seen on the business aspect, you can, you can create a lot of relationships with people just being honest with people. Cause that's what people want to hear, yeah. you know? So that's my goal through the playbook and just through my music in this time. It's just to be honest. I'm tired of just trying to write another song or trying to get another cut. Like I just want to be honest with my craft and, and the next 10, 15, 20 years of my career, you know? Yeah, definitely. And kind of what you were saying there about independent artists, especially, and obviously you just mentioned you buying records isn't really a thing anymore. I think that's where kind of the beauty of things like Spotify and Apple Music come in because you hear so many more people. As much as it has its cons, it also has its pros. Um, and obviously, as you said, with the playbook, you're meeting so many new people and independent artists and writing with them a lot. Um, so have you kind of seen a change in the way you write with with newer people or is it just kind of does it feel like the same old thing or is it just feeling different different and new each time well i always look for whenever i get excited to work with a new artist i mean I, i'm hearing songs that they're writing with other people or other producers that i'm like man they get me fired up oh i can do something with that or i can i can write something in that vein so that's what i'm doing whenever when i hear when someone sends me something you know and wants me to listen to it, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not something that I end up working on, mm -hmm. but there is that exception of something that comes through and it's either an awesome voice and awesome phrasing or something that hooks me into like, man, I got to create with this person. Mm -hmm. And that's what I look for to be inspired because I, I you know, I don't want to just show up to tr write another country song. I want to write a Christian song. I want to write a pop song. I want to write a rap song I want to do I don't want to limit my creativity based on what my publisher thinks that maybe I should be writing or um, you know and it is a business but creatively I'm more free whenever I can write what I want to write and then go into a country write fresh instead of beating my head up against the wall five days a week you know trying to write a country song, if I let my mind kind of wander and experience all these other things, I'm bringing different elements to whenever, okay, it's time to write a country song today. And that makes, you know, a country publisher happy. Definitely. Um, and kind of obviously throughout the years, writing with different people, working with different people, is there anyone kind of more so from the early days that sticks out that really kind of you found really influenced you or really kind of change something for you in the way you work or the way you write is there anyone that sticks out or is it just kind of new people every year every write and taking influences from everywhere well i mean i can't i there's no way i can answer that question without mentioning kelsey because yeah. i met kelsey when we were both kind of baby songwriters under a baby pub deal kind of grew together in that way of of where I had worked on some production stuff, but I had just got to that point where it was good enough to sell the type of songs that we were. Um, and I mean, 
when I say sell, I mean to represent is a better mm-hmm. word than sell. The production to to for it to be dressed up in a production that felt new, fresh, and current, but also true to her. I just now got to the point in my production where it aligned, and I was achieving that. And a lot of that was through the help of co-producers and asking other people's opinion and having other musicians come help me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm that's been a big lesson to me. To if 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 there's somebody that you feel like can bring something to it you need to involve as many as much talent as you can because of the potential of the trajectory of it being successful i feel like is a lot more than just me being like oh well this is my project i'm going to do the best i can or whatever so that being said whenever kelsey allowed me to produce the first three sides on her project that was obviously a game changer i was like okay i'm a real producer now and then through that I involved a, a good friend of mine, Jason Massey, who ended up co-producing everything that we've done on her since. And he really pretty much co-produced the first three tracks that we did. Um, and from the get-go, it was just such a good creative experience because I had a relationship with Kelsey. We were writing these songs. I had somewhat of a sound out in, but I could bring them to another person I trusted and he elevated it to a different level. Mm-hmm. So that right there is much more fun. I feel like, and to be able to rise with your friends, um, and, 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 and to have success with your friends, whenever all the odds are stacked against you, we haven't had a cut. We haven't had a hit. This isn't a successful anybody that's involved with it, whether it be the producers, the label or anything like it was just against all odds back 2014, 15, you know, that time. So I, Kelsey was the most influential person that gave me the confidence that I could do it because I mean, like I said, I'm 29 now. That was three or four years ago. So I was pretty young when I, I got started producing those records, mm. but I'd spent two or three years working on demos, working with Jason Massey, working with Kelsey that helped prepare me for that moment, you know? So there's always the behind the scenes that people don't see, you know, they just see you, getting the reward for it or whatever, but they don't see the grind time in it and everybody knows it's there or they should know it's there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously talking about Kelsey Ballerini, so you, the two records you've produced, four number ones out of them, she she is just, her career has skyrocketed. Did you think like when you first sat in a room with her and you were writing, as you said, it was all, you were very new to it and producing these songs, did you ever think it would become she would become as huge as she is. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And, and the reason being because I had been in town probably three or four years before I'd met Kelsey to where I had written enough. I felt like I'd written enough things to where whenever I got in the room with Kelsey, there was a different, it was a different creative. We were playing a different ball game. It's like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. get in a different zone. It's almost like you get in the, in the ring with somebody that can really go, man. And it's like, that was, I immediately felt that from the first song that we wrote, which was a song called out of the blues. And she didn't, maybe she cut it. It was like on the a bonus track or something. Yeah. On the first or yeah. something. But that was the very first song that we wrote. And there were several, I mean, several songs after that, um, that, I felt like just she elevated my writing her voice elevated my productions because I finally had the the artist voice that fit my style of the things I love I grew up loving like Shania Twain and Faith Hill and you know things that had that pop country flair to them or whatever and really the Mutt Lang productions too I mean I was so influenced by that, that Kelsey's voice and her artistry fits so well with that. And so between, I, I really was a triangle of, of Kelsey's songs, her voice, what I was loving in my production, and then Jason Massey, who took it and really put the bow around it and made it that much better. Um, that's what elevated everything. And so to say... I knew that she would be a huge star. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. All I can say is there was something different, a creative, a different creative vibe when we were writing to where I was like, 
well, this shit has to be something. This can't not be it. Like, this is what I came to Nashville to do. Like, so, I mean, there are several times that we, you know, as you do as a young dreamer, you talk about, oh, man, it'd be cool if, like, Taylor Swift, like, tweeted about this. Or it'd be cool if, like, you could play, like, the, you know, we talked about these things yeah. before they happen. So there are a lot of, um, it, it was just a learning process for me to know that to follow your gut instinct and to follow through, show up, and you don't know how these things are going to turn out, but just keep following that that gut of, this feels right. This feels good. You know, um, whether it be the songs you're writing, who you're writing with, who you have producing, who you're involved with on your publishing deal. Like it just taught me so much just to follow your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time we didn't, we didn't, had no way of knowing if it was going to turn out to what it did, but the fact that it kind of did and it aligned with that gut feeling gives me more confidence in other areas of my life than when I have those feelings to chase after that shit and don't hesitate. Don't wait for other people to think that it's cool. Don't wait for other people to say that this will be something because there was nobody saying that when we were creating it. So that's it, it kind of been an example to me to confidently go after your gut feeling rather than chase after what Nashville, the town wants you to do, you know? Yeah, definitely. And is there, obviously you've co-written, so many songs with her and I assume probably for the ones that have been released there are a lot more as well that have never kind of been heard but are there any songs in particular that you that are really special to you or you think you remember writing that and thinking yeah this is a good one is there anything in particular that stands out yeah I mean it's so predictable to say but I mean the very first her first single love me like you mean it Mm -hmm. was the first time that um I guess we, we had that feeling, and I say we, as, as, as me, Lance Carpenter, Josh Kirk, and Kelsey, the, the, the co-writers on that song, mm-hmm. when we got the production done on it, there was something special about it that we were, I was just like, you know, just dreaming big, man. Like, this has, this, this has to be huge. This has to be the first single, you know? I mean, it just has to be. And so to think that and dream that before it's even picked as a single or whatever, and to see it come to fruition, see it struggle, see it get the Taylor Swift tweet, see it finally get to the top 30, to the top 20, top 10, to a number one as a first single on a debut artist. It was just, I mean, just overwhelming. But at the same time, like, and I said this at the number one party, and I think it's important to say again, we had been there so much, so many times. Like I'd been at that number one party so many times in my mind and my dreams. Like I'd been there and rehearsed my speech and rehearsed everything I was going to say and just relived it, or I guess lived it before I lived it. Mm-hmm. So many times, just out of the, like how we how we are as dreamers, and I feel like that's powerful because you can bring things, uh, you know, in co-creation with the. Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and the law of attraction, I believe that you can create your life. And I believe that through, you know, Kelsey and, and that song, there were a lot of things attracted to the success of that between her, her belief, my belief, the label's belief, everything that was involved. And then Taylor Swift's belief, whenever Taylor Swift believes, <laughs> you know, whenever Taylor Swift believes and she makes a tweet, then all of her Swifties believe, and then it's a whole different chain reaction. So, but I do believe that there's something bigger than just a tweet or bigger than just, um, you know, a moment mm-hmm. of luckiness or something to her career or my career, because when you work that hard and you put in that much time, something's bound to happen. Yeah. You know, it never turns out what you want it to be. And when I say that, before Kelsey's album was released, I had a cut on Brantley Gilbert. Mm. And I thought, if I could only get a Brantley Gilbert single, my life would just change. And God, please just just let me get this single and I can I can I can be able to buy a house or a car or whatever it may be. Just let me get this. And I was so focused on over that over there. That shows you where my mindset was at the time. But meanwhile, the Lord has something going on over here that's much more bigger than that ever could have been. Yeah. So that's just changed my perspective too. 
follow your gut. Yeah, definitely. And so she she broke so many records with her song. So obviously, as you were just saying, her debut single was number one. She was the first female to do that since Carrie Underwood. And then her next two singles, three singles went number one as well. Um, which was, the f I think she was the first female since Winona. So you were also part of kind of Peter Pan as well, which was, I think it's probably her biggest hit. So being a part of that, and I know you've, you've performed with her a lot on global stages and things like that. Are there any moments in the kind of whirlwind that it was having all this success alongside her? Any either performances or like number one parties that you think that was just where everything hit you and you just something changed or was it all kind of oh yeah this is just we're just gonna ride the wave two moments i think about whenever peter pan was number one we had the number one party in an airport hangar <laughs> somewhere in nashville on the outskirts of nashville and it was just next level of just i can't believe we we're here doing this um it was just an amazing party and i'm not even the kind of person that like enjoys going out to parties and being social and that whole thing. But I just remember that being so special and being like, man, this, some cool shit has happened, you know, um, and just being blown away at that moment. Another moment I uh, was on the road with her riding and we were in Seattle, Washington. And she was either Seattle or um, Spokane. Maybe it was Spokane. Somewhere in Washington. It was an awesome show, but she invited me out on stage to sing these songs. Um, you know, I think it might have been Peter Pan, might have been Love Me, might have been a couple of, I don't really remember what it was because it was all blur. Just being on stage, being a part of that, her making me feel included in that. I'm, I'm in my studio right now. This is what I love. This is, I'm a hermit. I could live in a hole and be so happy and just send out emails and just be so happy with my life. So the fact that she pulled me off the bus and said, come on stage with me and sing these songs in front of all these people, that was another moment hearing my songs sung back, my songs, Kelsey's songs, songs that we're part of. But you know what I mean? As a songwriter, you're like, oh my God, they're singing my song. You know, um, that was another moment. So yeah. I, I guess there's two of them that it, it hit me. I'll give you three. I was in a shitty apartment in Madison, Tennessee uh, with my new wife at the time and my new bulldog. And we were on just a, just a terrible apartment. It smelled like cigarette smoke from the day we moved in. But the night that Love Me Like You Mean It was released, I just remember like, you know, being, I don't know, just, just being on a different level, just dancing around my living room, just playing on the radio and just being like, it starts, it begins now. And this is before it went for ads or whatever. I was just so, that was another moment. And that was before anything happened. Mm -hmm. The first two moments I told you was kind of the aftermath of like, oh my God, this happened. But I want, I think it's important to say that before even the proof was there, there was this overwhelming thing of, of, of wow, that we did it this is released. It's out in the world and it's being heard. Like that was just as important as being and feeling that alone. Or I say alone, I was probably just hanging out with my family, my little family, in my apartment at the time, but that was such a private setting to, to feel so grateful about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward two or three years, you're at a awesome airport hangar celebrating, you know, your, your two number ones or whatever. And it, it, it's, it's crazy how quick these things can happen. But I do think there's a direct correlation of having the feeling early on, having the gratefulness for it. That way you can enjoy it whenever the fruit comes, you know? Definitely. And obviously over the past few years, you've written with, with so many up and coming artists. Obviously you spoke about Mickey Guys and you said Brightly Gilbert. I know you had a, a write on Maddie and Tay's album. Is there anyone now, obviously you were saying like working with independent artists, is there anyone that either you written with before or artists that you see up and coming that you think I really like their their sound what they're doing I want to work with them is there anyone in particular there's several I mean I would I would be I could be here the next 30 minutes saying all the people I'm excited about honestly uh but I will I will pick one because I, a lot of it 
a lot of the early stages of me working with this artist, it's actually a duo, um, reminded me a lot of the first session with Kelsey, mm-hmm. meaning the very first song we got, it was went off to be um, an Amazon Weekly One song. The name of the artist is Bear. They're, they're, they're spelled B-E-X-A-R, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I, I used to call him Bexar because that's the way it looks, but it's called Bear. Yeah. And they just signed a deal, but before all the deal offers and the crazy pub offers or whatever that was that came along for them, it was we were just friends. And it was Logan Turner. We wrote together at my house in East Nashville. One day he hit me up. He said, hey, man, I got this guy named Chris. He wants to come over and write a song with us. Cool. Showed up. We wrote a song called Handmade. It was the most easiest, effortless write. The demo turned out great. It was just the 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 the, the kind of days that you want to bottle up, you mm-hmm. know. Well, that song "Handmade" ended up getting placed on Amazon and getting them tons of streams and opened a lot of doors mm-hmm. for them. And this was the first initial. This was before they were even a duo. Yeah, you know. Um, so I mean, it, it, it's 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 crazy to think how much can kind of happen in a moment's notice because that was the first song that kind of established okay we're a group now and i say we're logan and chris became a a duo Mm -hmm. and founded the group bear but um you know there are somebody i'm super excited about and i'm not even writing or as involved with their project as much as i was two years ago Mm -hmm. but i'm just excited because i love them and they're super talented and I've heard the stuff that they've, they've cut with Ross Cofferman and other they've written with other writers and it's just awesome, you know, and I, I'm, I'm getting to that point where I can just be stoked for them and excited to see them, you know, go off to the moon. Cause I feel like it's about to happen. That's awesome. That's so cool. And so I know we we've touched on it during this chat, but we will properly divulge now music city playbook. And for anyone that's listening or watching that is, wanting to become an artist or songwriter anything to do with music industry you need to follow and listen to this because it's so important but for anyone that doesn't know what it is in a nutshell can you describe music sissy playbook for us yes and you're going to be you're the first interview that's asked me this question so you're going to get it straight from where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. i appreciate you being interested in asking me about it I moved to town 10 years ago. I didn't have a freaking clue. I feel like through my experience and my friend's experience, there is a little bit of edge I can kind of relay to people that want to kind of be a part of this industry that I wish that I would have known, or I wish that I would, you know, whether it be a pub deal term, whether it be um, a tip of how to be prepared for a right um, a, a tip on how to present yourself to a publisher or a record label, all these things that you just kind of have to absorb the knowledge over doing it wrong for so many years. Like I, it's a dream of mine to make it easier on people. And, and I, I, you know, it comes from a lot of things, but it, it really stems from, I made some, I made choices earlier on, whether it be through a contract or, you know, not knowing the details of certain deals or the, the way things certain read that affected my career. Even though I've had successful songs, financially, my decisions early on affected my career. Mm-hmm. How can I educate people that have the talent, that have the drive to say, okay, think about these things think about these things before you go present yourself to these, this publisher or prepare. I I love this artist that you're working with. Why don't you go ahead and finish out that project and then go present it instead of trying to, you know, present it too early where a lot of people get involved. There's a lot of things that I just want to give my perspective on. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've, my plan for music city playbook is there will be an ebook um, my plan for that is in the next six, seven months. And the reason I want to take these interviews and literally make chapters um, of all the great gold nuggets that I'm getting 
from other people. It's not just my knowledge. You know, it's not just what I've learned. It's what everybody else that I'm my friends and everybody else that's willing to be a part of this are willing to share with me. I want to take that, put it in a book, put it in an audio book. I want to, there to be a website to where people can go get this information, but also if they want to reach out to somebody in the industry, that's a professional and ask a question that's there. If they want to hire a musician in Nashville for their session and maybe they're in, you know, where you're at, then they can do that through the internet. They can do that through musiccityplaybook.com. I want there to be an educational side to it to where if you are a student, instead of considering going to Berkeley, Belmont, Full Sail University, maybe let's consider doing a course taught by professionals mm-hmm. online that is you're learning exactly what you want to learn. You don't have to go and take all these college hours, spend all this money investing in this system that, and I, I need to be careful here because I grew up hating school. So the last thing I want to do is create something that feels like school. Mm-hmm. But really what it comes down to is I want to teach people the shit that I wish I knew before I came here. Like, I feel like my edge in my career could have even been different or better or whatever you would say. I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that's happened. But we always look back and say, see hindsight 2020 or whatever and feel like, oh, okay, I could have done that, that, and that better. I'm at a point in my career to where it's more important to me to come at something instead of just writing another song or producing another album. How can I make a difference in making it a little easier, you know, and, and, and that's really where I'm at. And I haven't always been that way, to be honest with you. I've been a very selfish, self-motivated person a lot of my career. Mm-hmm. I feel like as musicians, producers, songwriters, we kind of have to have a little bit of that. Um, but I've gone through a lot of changes. And to be completely honest with you, the Lord's doing a lot of work in my life. And so, like, he's told me to, like, give back and, like, give back your talent, give back your, your, um, your connections give back your ability to help elevate other people. Um, So cheesy as it sounds, that's as real as it gets from where it's coming from for me. It's just as much as a priority to me to create this content. I have behind the scenes episodes of a session drummer that I'm recording this Friday. Um, And the future of a session drummer, meaning like how can you record in your home, get great sounding tracks and send it out. I want to show people how to do that. Yeah. I don't want I don't know how to do that. I want to take you to a professional that can show you how to do that. Next week I'll be in Colorado filming a record in the Rockies, meaning how do you make a professional quality sounding record on a mountainside with one microphone, one guitar. So there's going to be a lot of content that is going to be on this website that I feel like I want to inspire people to be like, you got the same tools, you got the same crayon box that I got. Let me show you how to use it. Or let me show you how I'm using it and you can decide how to use it because there is no right or wrong way. But I know that's not necessarily in a nutshell, but Music City Playbook is an ebook, a website. It is education. It is inspiration. It is a going to be a hub for people that are creative to get interviews, guidance, questions answered, whatever they need. That's what it will be. My plan is to have this stuff up and running within the next two or three months. Realistically, to have everything done will be more towards the fall this year. But I'm working freaking hard to freaking make it happen because, you know, if I if I look back, you know, a year from now or whatever and look at the time that I spent throughout this quarantine and everything else, the importance of this is just as much – if not more important than writing another song or producing another album, you know? So that's where I'm at on it. And so to have support from people like yourself and people that are sharing and commenting and, you know, I haven't been a social media user uh, really ever. So Mm -hmm. to come in and have this idea accepted and supported and shared, it's just huge because Honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it off the gut of, I feel like this would be cool to show people. You know, I feel like people will get something out of this. So 
uh, that's really how it started and it evolved from, Oh, I guess I'll just do some interviews for my friends to, well, let me put these interviews in a book to let me make a website to let me do these other behind the scenes things to, like I said, at the beginning of this interview or whatever, what you first initially go into things, it's always going to change. It's always going to evolve. And if you're passionate about it, there's going to be opportunity there. So that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it to where I'm, I'm still a producer. I'm still a songwriter. Um, but I'm also somebody that's trying to get this off the ground in a way of, so people know what I wish that I knew, you know, and that's not going to be me. It's not forcewhitehead.com telling you how to do the music business. It is music city playbook. I want to involve as many people in music city to give their opinion that way you can come and have a real resource of information. That's not just from one person. So yeah. I know that was long winded, but I'm super <laughs> excited about it. And, um, like I said, it's just something, something I wish I had, you know, back when I started out. Yeah, definitely. And you've had some amazing people on there already. I know Kelsey's done into uh, Josh Kerr who has had the, the past few years. He's just blown up as a songwriter, Jim Collins. So I'm excited to kind of see what's to come. And as I said, there's nothing out there like it. So if you are an artist or a musician or whatever it is you want to be, check it out because it is super amazing. Um, we're going to have to wrap things up slightly, but I know you're going you're gonna to sing for us and play a song for us. But I wanted to ask you my three quick fire questions before, before we do wrap things up. Okay. Um, ask everyone the same three things so firstly uh three songs that you wish you'd have written i will always love you by dolly parton um ain't that a bitch by aerosmith uh steven tyler uh desmond child wrote that and then uh there is probably the dance mm. by you know uh gosh i'm spacing on the songwriter's name but garth brooks obviously cut it yeah and I believe I'm forgetting his name. I feel like um, I'm being really bad now because I've it's I gotta Google it. Well. <laughs> I cannot disrespect him like that. Hold on. The dance writer. Tony Ross his name. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> some chance you may see this. But um yeah, those are those are three songs that I feel like are um pretty influential to me as a kid growing up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then three albums that you couldn't live without. Okay, it would be um, Garth Brooks' Double Live, uh, and it would be Aerosmith, Nine Lives, and John Mayer Continuum. Nice. Continuum's on my list too. Um, yes. And then three, I know we kind of briefly touched on this, but three writers or artists that you, you haven't written with that you'd like to write with? <laughs> Steven Tyler. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Ryan Tedder. Uh, man. Mac Powell. Nice. I'm sure Kelsey could set up the Ryan Tedder one. That, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Please, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> um but as i said we, we're having to end things out but thank you so so much for being a part of this i know obviously as we said things are getting back to normal now so i appreciate you taking the time um to chat with us and being supportive uh, and just divulging on everything i'm so excited to kind of keep following music city playbook and see where it ends up and eventually read the book and everything um so yeah. thank you so much um and if you're happy to would you like to play us out yeah, I'll definitely play you out. Um, with all right, you're gonna have to bear with me, tune in real quick. But um, I, with everything that's going on, I, it's weird for me to get on here and just play like a regular song. So I'm gonna play a song that I kind of been uh, this kind of been getting me through this uh, this time. I didn't write this song, but it's a song that I um, grew up listening to, um, and I want I want to share it today. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite songs. It's called Your Love Never Fails. And let me see if I can get this thing tuned real quick. 
I know I probably should have done this earlier, but I was running late to this interview. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes You have new mercy for me every day Your love never fails Stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And even when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails The wind is strong and the water's deep I'm not alone in these open seas Cause your love never fails No, no chasm was far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side Cause your love never fails You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And even when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me. 